it's one of those things that in life, as we do life, we, um, we tend to forget that he loves us regardless of our accomplishments. And I think sometimes in life, we, we tend to work for value. We tend to want to succeed for recognition. And, and sure, we want to do great things, right? But if we are doing great things so that we can be loved, then it is a cycle that will destroy us. And so I'm here to remind you this morning that God loves you guys. Like he really, really loves you. And he values you far beyond anything you can ever accomplish. He values you more than you value your technology. No? It's not a good day for jokes this morning. But that's okay. He still loves you. He loves us very, 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 very much. And in the hustle and bustle of life, in the hustle and bustle of the holidays and Thanksgiving and eating and family times, um, we're reminded of how maybe, maybe in your family you have a ton of love around Thanksgiving. But maybe in your family you realize how much your family's depraved of love and of patience and so it's great. It's a great reminder that, that we have received a ton of love from the Father, if we have received it. And we are challenged to operate from this place of love because there are people around us who do not know what love, true love is. There are people around us who don't know what being valued feels like. Loving another person for them and not for the things that they've done. And so I... Um, as I was, uh, this is a familiar story that I want to read, but it's, at the end of the day, no matter where we are, no matter what's happening, um, we will always circle back to love. We will always circle back to love. The essence, the essence of what it means to be a Christian, what it means even to be a human, it really goes back to love and this is a familiar story for those of us who have been in church for a while and 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 even those who have not been in church this is a very familiar um, little exchange because a lot of people go here but this is found in Matthew chapter 22 verses 35 Matthew 22 verse 35 and one of them a lawyer which is a scribe. Last week we talked about Pharisees and scribes. And earlier in this chapter, the Pharisees were challenging Jesus. And once the Pharisees were done, then the scribes came in. And so here's where we are with, um, with this. A lawyer asked Jesus a question, testing him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And this is the one I would add before I read this next verse. Is this is the, 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 it's the most greatest and important. And what it really means is that this is the one that can also be lost the quickest. It could be numbed and 
life tends to push this out of our lives. And so this is the greatest and the most important. And because it's the greatest and the most important, it, it's, just, it's kind of one of those things with the people that are closest to you. The people that are closest to you are probably the people that, are, that, that you can easily neglect, right? That you don't really necessarily touch base with them because you know them and there's a deeper relationship. Um, and they are also the people that suffer your wrath the most. When you're going through life, you take it out on the people that are closest to you. Anybody has ever done that? Has that, has, uh, has that been done to you? What about this last week? <laughs> you guys experienced some wrath from the people closest to you. Um, and so the, the verse uh, 30, 36, this is the great and the foremost commandment. And then verse 39, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 40, on these two commands, the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And what's interesting is that as he spoke on this love later on, um, and John records this, that he does not allow us to define love however we want to. He doesn't define love based on circumstances. He doesn't define love based on our feelings. And we read in John chapter 13, this is uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples, verse 34. It says, a new command I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. In this simple verse, Jesus defines and creates a standard for love. We don't get to love people based on our criterias and the boxes that we create. It's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to love people that are lovable. And it's easy for us to love people when things are good. But Jesus is saying here that your love should not be based on where you are at, in life. Your love should not be based on your successes or on your failures, whether things are going good, whether things are not going good. He says that you need to base your love for one another on how Jesus has loved us. This is the highest standard of love that we have. We have a working definition. We have an experiential example of what true love in the essence, what it really is and how did Jesus love us. He became a human and he allowed his creation to beat him, to abuse him, to betray him, and to eventually kill him. And while he was even on the cross, he was still spewing out love. He was still thinking about us and not about himself. And he knew what he could have done too. He told Pilate, he's like, Pilate, do you understand that my kingdom, if I just utter a word, there's legions of angels waiting <laughs> for me to just look at them, nod, for them to come down and wipe everything off the face of the earth? Do you, do, are you not aware? Well, because of love, he submitted himself. He became our example of what it is to love one another. 
And a lot of times in life, we are searching for love, and so we are unable to love properly. This love is easily dismissible because it's so simple. Because our job is not to do anything, but it is to receive everything. And we don't know how to receive free gifts because we're always trying to earn them. We're always trying to earn people's love, people's approval. And if you're busy trying to earn something, you forget how to receive anything. So we have to always circle back to love. To circle back to love. And in the context, this is the thing that will change the world. This is the thing that will reach people. But the real question is, has it reached us? Has the love of God really, has it taken a hold of us? That's the biggest disconnection in Christian life. How can you give love if you have not fully received love? And I understand, right? We give love to people. Many times the love that we give is based from the love that we've actually received. And so it is easier for us to love when we've, when we've experienced that kind of love. You know, empathy and apathy, those things. I think there's so much more to this love thing. And because it's so simple, we continually miss it. We continually miss it because we continually chase things that will supplement Christ's love. And so it's really hard for us to accept that Jesus is enough. Theologically, we understand that. We're reading in the Bible, Jesus is enough, he's more and enough. But a lot of times, the life that we live betrays our belief. And I think during the holidays, it's really, it comes to surface. So many people are seeking out love, are seeking out to be valued. And they're receiving it and trying to get it from all the wrong places. And it is so temporarily given to them that they only feel for a moment. And then as quickly as it came in, it leaves. It's not a sustaining kind of love. It's a temporary kind of love. Sustaining kind of love allows you to forgive your enemies as they are killing you. Sustaining kind of love is the unconditional love that surpasses our understanding and questions our sanity. 
Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And I want you to highlight this part of the verse. And the voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. I think this is such a beautiful picture. Jesus submitting to John in front of humanity. This is what launches his ministry. This baptism of water. And then the Holy Spirit, after this event, pushes him into the wilderness. And I think this is such a powerful reminder for us. Because as a human, Jesus also needed what we need. Which is a reminder of where our value and love really comes from. powerful powerful part is that the father here in front of everyone is saying that you are my son that you belong to me it's the language of acceptance It's the language of acceptance before performance. It is before you do anything, Jesus, before you do anything, before you launch your ministry, before you begin to perform miracles, before you begin to teach, before you begin to get a following, before you begin to build anything, I want to build in you this truth. That says, you are already accepted. The holidays bring out this aspect. Are we truly accepted? Or are people only going to your house because you cook a turkey that's... Are you accepted for who you really are? I think this is a reminder that God is, tr is telling us even this morning, as Jesus was told by his father, our father is telling us, you are part of a team. You are part of my family. You belong. I accept 
you. You are my child. The core of our identity. Before anything, this is the one thing, a truth that we have to not just hear, not just acknowledge, but receive and let it begin to produce within us. Because when you perform, whenever you build something and you're not looking for acceptance, then you will not be disappointed if whatever you're building fails. Because your acceptance has already been settled. You are already a child of God. You don't need anyone else to accept you. And what's beautiful is that it's not just us and God. God created a family called the church so that you are part of a larger family, even in physical form. Even if your own family rejects you. Even if your own parents reject you. Even if your siblings reject you. God just wants to remind you that he has accepted you. That he has given you a new family. But you belong. You're part of a team. And this whole thing of being accepted is what the world needs to hear. It's what the world needs to see in you and in me. The second thing that we read is God's affection to Jesus. He's saying, in this phraseology, he's saying, I love you. I love you. You don't need to earn your love. When you begin to perform miracles, where you begin to heal people, when you're going to begin to be successful, people are then going to begin to love you. God is saying, before you do anything, I already loved you. I loved you before you were even formed. I loved you before you even acknowledged my existence. My love was demonstrated to you with what we read in John 3.16, that Jesus was sent to demonstrate the love that the Father has for you. I know it's simplistic. I know it's like elementary 101. A lot of our core issues come from the fact that we have not received God's love for us we acknowledge that it exists we acknowledge that it could be for someone else but many times it's difficult for us to receive his love for ourselves because we're so wired for performance we're so wired for accomplishments i think it's so beautiful how the father affirms Jesus, which is the third thing. Father saying, I am pleased with you. You are my son. I love you. 
and I'm pleased with you. Strip everything from your life. If you can know and build your basis on this aspect of love, where you are loved, where you are accepted, where you do belong, it's going to change how you build your life. That is the thing that's going to steer your life. You won't be reactive to what's happening in the world and around you. You'll be living in reaction to God's love for you, to God's acceptance of who you are. No matter your past, no matter your sin, no matter your shortfalls, even if you're physically short, that's okay too. It's such a freeing truth if this truth moves from head knowledge and is planted in our hearts. And once it begins to sprout and grow, everything around us is just icing on the cake. We know that we're holding on to the one that truly matters. We know that apart from him, we can do nothing and we've done nothing. But how many of us are accrediting ourselves for the things that we have? How many of us are saying, look what I've built. Look what I've done. Nobody helped me. I've done it by myself. Look at this. What are you saying? Accept me. Receive me. I'm of value to you. I'm of worth to you. You're, you're striving for someone to acknowledge your accomplishments because you want to be acknowledged. And the reason that you want to be acknowledged is because you cannot or you have not received this truth of God acknowledging you. Because I know with family, that's what we do, right? We compare. So how has life been for you? My business is great. My wife left, but my business is great. What about you, you know? Well, my business sucks. But I'm skinny. I've watched my calorie count. If God is our filter, then success is redefined to us knowing him and knowing these truth about him. And everything else that he gives us, every thought that he grants us, really truly is diverted back to saying, God, thank you for being so good in my life. It doesn't mean that you sit back and do nothing. What it means is that you don't perform to, to be accepted. You don't perform to be loved. And I, I think it's so powerful because as God the Father is speaking to Jesus, telling him, accepting him, affirming him, showing his affection, he's saying, Jesus, I am pleased with you. This is a beautiful phraseology because it is not talking about Jesus' past, but it is talking about Jesus' future. God is like speaking into Jesus' future. 
So this dynamic of loving God with all of our hearts, then being able to love our neighbors ourselves is possible. But if we have a hiccup on truly loving God, then we will have a mess of trying to love our neighbor. Because when we love our neighbor, it's going to be based on how we feel loved. If we feel loved today, we're going to lavish love on them. If we feel rejected, injected, depressed, we won't know how to love our neighbor. Then love becomes this pendulum swing. How are you feeling today? Loved or not loved? Accepted or not accepted? Valued or not, or not valued? And based on where you're at with that gauge, that's how you're going to love your neighbor. So God just wants to settle this within us. And this is why it's such a personal question. Because you may have all the appearance that you're moving forward in, in right relationship with God. But only you know where you stand. Only you know that you're still working to receive God's love, to attain his favor, to be blessed by him. This doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It just means that what you do, you do it for a different reason. There's a different drive. It's not to receive, but it's from the place of acceptance. It's from the place of love. And all that is rooted in a raw, real, and dynamic with the giver of these things. Which is why with every service, if you're watching or if you're here, we have to wrestle with this question. Like we talked about with the sons, the father and the rebellious sons. Do we really want God and accept his love? Or do we just want to continually work for it? So circling back to love, it's something that we cannot do and move away from. It's always going to be the driving force for everything that we do. And there's a big, big, big difference if we're doing things to get loved or if we are doing things from the place of love. And a lot of people in church, they're still trying to work their way for God's affection, trying to work their way for God's acceptance, for affirmation. And then they blame God when they don't feel it. And God's like, it's not that I don't. You just haven't received it. You have not rallied and structured your life around these things. But when we, when, when we feel like we didn't get it from God, then we begin to create this little bitterness towards him and begin to build a wall between him and us. And then we go to other places to try to fill this thing where God is like, it's there. It's there. So he just wants to remind you this morning that he sees you. He accepts you. And he's loved you before you were even born. 
And the beautiful thing about God is that he, do, he doesn't love the version that you show him. He loves the version that you hide from other people. And if you're hiding a version of yourself that you don't want other people to see, what you're basically saying is that I need to put on the kind of face that I can receive love and acceptance from other people. So we can talk about loving our neighbors. We can talk about reaching our city. And God can use us to love our neighbors no matter where we are because God is so good. There's a beautiful story that I always like gives me hope for anything that I do. In the New Testament, there's a prophet riding a donkey and, and, and there's an angel that was standing on the road in the way and, the, <laughs> and God opened the donkey's eyes to see this angel. But he did not open the eyes of the prophet riding the donkey to see the angel. And so the prophet just did not get it because they're going and all of a sudden the donkey just veers one direction. And so this prophet gets mad and kicks the donkey, tries to get, get, uh, to get it back on course. But the donkey's resilient. Donkey's resilient. Does it again. And then God allows the donkey to speak and tells this prophet, Yo, quit kicking me. There's an angel and if I go further, we'll both die. I love this story because God can use anything to reach the world. But he does not want to bypass you. He does not want you to be left out as he's using you to change people's lives. But what happens is that we could love on others even though in the brokenness of not fully understanding God's love. We can love others. But if the, at the end of it all, if we turn off the lights and when we're by ourselves, we are empty then maybe that's a sign, not that you know about God's love, but that you and I have not received and internalized God's love. And all this, it leads back to our relationship with God, as it always does. Only in relationship with God are we able to fully experience his ongoing love towards us? Because God's love is so deep, it's so wide, it's not just one aspect of it. His whole relationship with you and I is built on this idea that he has more love to give than we'll, we'll ever be able to receive in this life. And there's so many different angles and facets of his love. But it re requires a relationship. For us to know that people love us from a distance is one thing. But for us to know us that people love us whenever they're close to us, whenever they know us, it changes that love. 
And so when God loves us, he just doesn't love the version of us that we love about ourselves. He loves the version of us that we're ashamed of. He loves the parts of us that are hidden, that are behind a door with lock and key. He loves beyond our hypocrisy. He knows all these things about us, and yet he still loves us. Did you just hear what I said? He knows all of those things, and yet he still loves us. That means that he loves you for you. And he is the only one who is able to love you for you because everyone else loves a version of you that you project. And so whenever someone responds to you and they love you and they affirm you, you will never be satisfied because you, you know that there's so much to your life that they don't know about. And if they knew, that may put in question their love for you or acceptance of you. This is far deeper than just a simple message or a series about love. This is a relational aspect. So circling back to love is not just, let's hear another message, let's read some scripture. But circling back to love is to check ourselves. Not whether or not we believe if God loves us, but have we received his love? And if we have, if we have received his love, what is the evidence of his love what is the evidence of his love final scripture and I'll release you guys to go eat again first John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I just want to leave you guys with these, these two pieces of insight. Because all of this boils down with our relationship with God. When we build and establish a proper relationship with God, then loving others will be a byproduct of loving God. There's two things in this passage that really that hits me and I hope that and pray that it finds way into your hearts as well but we read in verse 9 that God sent his only son into the world that's powerful because God did not just shout his love to us from heaven But he showed up. Your presence is needed for a relationship to take root. 
Your presence with God is needed for you to build a relationship with God. Your presence with others are, is needed for you to build a relationship with others. Relationship requires us to be present, which is why it's important that we show up every weekend because we're building a community. And so many of us have so many lame reasons not to be with people. But for us to be present, it will show that relationships are messy. Relationships are inconvenient. Relationships are frustrating. They're exhausting. And maybe that's how you feel about God. There's just too much stuff. Just don't even know where to begin. You don't find, you don't have time for him. Maybe you're frustrated with what he's telling you or not telling you or his silence or... But our presence is required. We have to be there. We must be there. It's part of being intentional. Showing up on accident doesn't build relationship. It just means you don't know where you're going and you're just there. We, uh, never mind. I don't have time for the story. Okay, the second thing that I see in this is that relationship with God and others requires our presence. The second thing is it requires sacrifice, which we read in verse 10, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, there's a biblical word, propitiation for our sins. Jesus paid a price so that we can be in a relationship with him. And I think it goes broader than that because there is a price that we pay to be in relationship with him. It requires sacrifice. Could think, you know, it requires our time. It requires our presence. Sometimes it requires expenses, our treasures, our, our finances. But the point is that it's going to cost you something to be in relationship. Jesus paid the ultimate price to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. And in return, the way that we, re we receive this gift is also a sacrifice on our part because we have to build relationship with him. We have to walk with him. We have to not just understand and know about his love, but we have to experience his love. He's inviting us to an experiential relationship, not just a head knowledge. I've attended church. I prayed. I read the Bible, like Kim said. I've done all these things. And God's like, you don't understand. You're missing the point you're doing to still receive my acceptance, my love from you. And circling back, it's about love. Getting to the place with God where no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, you know that the one who has created you knows you and still loves you and from that place you have to show up with him so when we sing worship 
We're not just trying to get the choruses and the bridges so that we can, you know, just keep singing the same thing over and over. We're, just creati- we're trying to create an environment where we can be present with God. Where we're not distracted. Where we're like, God, I am here. I am here. I want to be with you. So it is sacrificial. We have to show up. Cost our time. We have to put into it. But I promise you, that is the relational. That is the experiential part of the Christian life. It's not just theology. It's not just a religious checklist. And neither of those things are bad. If we're operating from this place of acceptance, of affirmation, of value. And so I want to leave us on this beautiful note. <laughs> Is that this love that you're searching for this acceptance that you're longing for it's available God has already made it a way for you and I to come to him to receive it and it all begins with us giving your lives to him 